yes, coaching is hard, but if you're coming to coaching with real shit, it's already hard. You know, like you're already not loving um, the situation. And so you can do it feeling like you're developing new tools with which to do it. Um, you know, or you can, or you can, you know, give up and, or decide that those are the only tools you want to use. Hi, and welcome. I'm Jeff Hunter, and you are listening to Coaching in the Clear, the podcast committed to helping you learn about coaching. We're going to help you better understand the value and application of coaching by having in-depth conversations with the people who use coaches to unleash their potential, the founders, leaders, and managers who are shaping our world. Coaching is more popular than ever, and we believe that sharing in-depth personal conversations about coaching experiences is the best way for you to learn whether coaching is for you and how you can get the most out of your coaching practice. We are especially interested in how people use coaching to unleash their potential while creating market-leading big change businesses. Coaching in the Clear is a production of Talentism, a business dedicated to helping the world's most ambitious leaders achieve their ultimate goals by systematically turning confusion into clarity. We send out a weekly newsletter called The Sensemaker, where we offer our latest thinking about issues affecting big change companies and their leaders, as well as provide other helpful content to enable you to unleash your potential. Learn more and sign up at talentism.com. Today I'm speaking with Christina Sass. I think Christina stands as a shining example of someone turning their compulsion into a lifelong career, into someone finding their calling. She held high ranks at some of the largest global nonprofits and worked closely with Hillary Clinton's office as an advisor helping build solutions to some of the most pressing challenges in international relations. After amassing nearly 15 years of experience in those fields, she co-founded Indela, a company dedicated to the proposition that brilliance is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. Andela has trained and placed thousands of software engineers from Nigeria, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Egypt, and Ghana. We're going to talk about her personal experiences with coaching on both sides of the equation, seeking out inherent blind spots in the corporate world, and relating lessons she's taken from her experiences as a founder and activist to how we should be investing in people and handling growth both personally and as a nation. Uh, Christina, thank you so very much for being a part of this experiment, not just the whole experiment, but also this more free-flowing dynamic that we're going to try today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. And um, I'm delighted to try it this way. It's what our conversations have always felt like uh, and have yielded so much. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you. So Christina, you are the co-founder of Andela, and I've had the great good fortune. Talentism's had the great good fortune over the last four years of um, of working with Andela, a company that I've been truly inspired by uh, across the board, not only your mission, but um, also the benefit you're bringing to the world and, and just what you're putting into practice. 
I thought just before we get into the coaching conversation, if you'd be willing to reflect a little bit on Indela, a little bit on how you started Indela, and also a little bit about how we met, uh, I'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we started Indela in 2014, uh, looking at how to get talent globally to recognize brilliance, um, particularly brilliance among software engineers, which are so desperately needed by startups all over the world. Um, at the time, I'd been working across the African continent um, for the about the last five years and knew the incredible depth of the talent pool and really the excitement and energy around tech careers. And so um, my co-founder, uh, Jeremy, and another group of entrepreneurs and I got together to kind of put this experiment out to see if we could attract really extraordinary tech talent and then match it with um, the needs of employers everywhere that needed great software developers. Um, the world was getting accustomed to remote and distributed teams at the time. And so we were kind of part of this wave to really bring that about. And um, what an incredible six-year journey. Uh, the, the company has now taken um, kind of many different shifts and turns and pivots as, as startups do. Um, for the first probably three to four years, we're really focused on finding raw talent uh, that had all the indicators of a great engineer and then honing them um, and really placing them in environments where they could succeed. Um, today, Andela is more focused on uh, big pockets of mid-level and senior level developers and being an on-demand marketplace for, um, for what other companies need. And so um, that entire journey, I think, has been... Um, I really can't... It's, it's hard to... It's hard to state the value that you, Jeff, has brought to me and my co-founder and the senior team at Andela on our self-awareness and big changes um, that we needed to make to, to move the business forward. Um, so how did we meet? <laughs> I think this is a great story. <laughs> um, so I, I worked with one of your colleagues at Talentism on a smaller project. And um, one where, candidly, I wasn't thrilled about the end. I think this, the gentleman I was working with was like on his way to, to, I forgot what the circumstances were, but anyway, he was transitioning from talentism to a full-time role elsewhere and wasn't able to make a trip where um, he was supposed to facilitate a big conversation. And so talentism in talentism's IP had added um, a ton of value and then kind of the end of this thing didn't go well. And so I got the final bill. And I wrote you all and said, I, I will pay this. I'm happy to pay it. But can we get on the phone and can we talk and can I give you some feedback? <laughs> and uh, to my surprise, the um, CEO of the company, you, Jeff Under, took the call and listened very carefully. And you explained that um, um, you kind of knew that this, this uh, younger employee had like a lot of promise, but that you're going to have to entrust them with some things and they may not always go right and that you were then also experimenting um, and that you took full responsibility for that, that I indeed would not be paying that bill. And could you have dinner with our entire senior team and give feedback on what you thought, what your learnings were from, um, you know, from, from the scope of work that talentism had done. And so suffice to say, I was blown away by that. And that was certainly the kind of leader that I hoped to be that had like the courage and strength to give my team members, my leaders rope to 
do an experiment. And then when it didn't go well to really take, take responsibility and make that relationship right. And that's what I witnessed that you did. We had a phenomenal dinner with uh, the C-suite of the company at the time and everyone was very impressed. Um, and then I think I called you the next day to be like, got to coach us. <laughs> you have to coach us. <laughs> we know we have gaps in our, in our self-awareness and our knowledge and uh, where we want to take the company. And, um, to our great surprise and delight, you said, you said yes. And that's been the beginning of a many year, very fruitful, painful at times, but, um, overall incredibly rewarding relationship. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I, like any human being, uh, enjoys hearing how great I am, but I can assure you that in the mountain of my mistakes, uh, that was a small <laughs> nugget of success. So <laughs> I appreciate you saying all those nice things. I can imagine a lot of people know me listening to this and going, uh-huh. So, uh, but thank you very much, Christine. I appreciate that. Okay. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about coaching. That's why we're here, uh, you, as you just said, you know, you and I have worked together for a while. I've worked with other members of your team. Um, Talentism has coached a number of people at Indela. We've done offsites with you, et cetera. So you have a real exposure to how we think about things and, and uh, how we try to coach. In addition, as you know, I have told you multiple times, I think that you have a real talent for coaching yourself, at least the kind of coaching that we think about, clarity coaching. Uh, so you've, I think you've seen it from every side. You've seen it as an executive. You've seen it as a person who receives it, as a person who offers coaching, as an investor, uh, et cetera. Um, tell me a little bit about how you think about coaching and how you think about the value of coaching importance. And in that, if you could tell me a little bit, like what did you think was going to happen when we started coaching and and what did you actually experience and, and uh, how has that thinking about coaching evolved over time? So when we first started out, I think I knew that we had some, you know, pretty typical barriers to, um, you know, to success in the company and that, that, you know, some outside counsel would help, um, had tried a couple things before, but I definitely didn't have a set definition of, oh, this is the exact kind of coaching that I wanted. I did know that I wanted a coach that had a strong opinion about working with founders and that had been in a high growth, you know, kind of tech startup world. Um, and this is an interesting comment to make with all that you know of me, but I did, I wanted a male coach um, that had immediate gravitas because that was sort of the, the C-suite that I was operating in. And I needed to understand and be more well versed in that in a safe in a safe space and environment. And so, I don't think I had that in mind when we went to that team dinner. But after listening to you and, and being around you, I was like, I feel like you know this person has is immediately adding value and um, can you know push back on kind of the the heaviest hitter at the table and also feels very safe. And so I kind of just opened up to whatever your, your type of coaching was. I definitely wasn't seeking out or didn't know, have any idea what clarity coaching was at the time. Now, looking back on clarity coaching, um, the analogy that I would give is like, it's like being in the matrix, um, where Neo is offered like the red pill or the green pill. 
And when you actually take the red pill, it's brutally painful. And you, you go through this journey of seeing the world exactly as it is. Um, but that is really the only way to get through, get through to where you want to be. And so um, that's what that experience was like for me. I learned that I didn't, I certainly was open to, to self-exploration. I knew that was going to be a hard part of it. Um, but it was way harder and more fulfilling than I thought. And I think in my hardest, darkest moments, I felt as if I had um, a real partner where I was just able to learn about myself, even if it took hearing the same thing five or six times to unlock whatever um, slight piece of information it was to be aware of a blind spot or be aware of a pattern. And, um, and so being able to work together over years, I have now gotten, I think, a heck of a lot better at seeing those and being open to other ones. And so that process, seeing the world as it clearly is, um, not jumping to, to any assumptions about your colleagues and what's happening, um, became a, a framework that I got to apply anytime I felt the common things we all feel in difficult work situations. And they're very human. It's not like, oh, I had trouble with the same budget meeting. It's like, whatever that thing was really pissed me off and I wasn't able to think straight or I feel my heart rate rising again. Um, it was kind of those individual triggers that it was like, it didn't matter what the trigger was, but I recognized it. I recognized a pattern and was like, now we see clarity and we have a lot of different tools to be able to seek clarity. Um, and I think it was so successful for me that I wanted to take a step back and look at coaching from a different viewpoint and look at your IP. Um, you know, so it certainly has benefited me most as a struggling leader who deep, deeply wanted to fulfill the mission of an organization and was willing to change to do that. Um, but then the next level out is exactly what you've said, which is learning to become a coach. And I'm still very much, you know, new on my journey, but um, being able like seeing how powerful that is and then looking at the tools and the IP and practice that talentism might give me be able to, to do that for others, I think is one of the greatest gifts I could give other founders, leaders that I respect. So that's been my journey. Thank you very much. You know, you just, you said something at the very beginning that frankly, I was a little bit, I was a little bit shocked to hear that you wanted yeah. a, a male coach. You've never told me that before. <laughs> um, and so that inspired, I just want to, let's just take this somewhere. Cause I think it'd be super cool to, to try this. So in a, in the spirit of total vulnerability, one of the things that I often question, because I work with a lot of female founders, a lot of female executives, I work with, um, I work with people of color, I work with people, uh, transgender people, I work with a lot of different people, and I always worry that given my inherent blind spots as a straight white guy, that I'm not going to be an effective coach. Because I just can't, no matter how desperately I want to, or no matter how much I want to try, and no matter how much I do try, to open myself and be authentic to the fact that I, I've had so much privilege and I just can't experience, I just, I just can't see, I can't experience what others have experienced. And, and I take the responsibility of coaching so seriously. It's almost a sacred duty 
that can I in fact be effective working with somebody who I, I can't ex, uh, understand their experience, truly, truly understand it. I can be open to it, but I can't truly understand it. Uh, and so that's always been a fear of mine. And frankly, I don't know that I've ever articulated that. So why the hell not articulate that to a public audience? But, um, <laughs> but I would love the, I would coaching love coaching qua coaching. Yeah, exactly. So, doing it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you thought about that. And also I, I have experienced you as somebody who gives me such incredible feedback, Boy, you hit me when I need to be hit, which is just awesome. <laughs> I, lo I love the nature of our relationship that way. And, um, and so, so I trust you to tell me like, what blind spots do you think I do bring to it? And what, how can I be even more aware in my desire to unleash human potential and not just for like got people like me, but to unleash people, uh, the potential of everybody. What are things you think I might've missed? What are things I could get better at? What are things, um, that I should be more aware of? I would just love to, you know, get your feedback and coaching in this moment on that. Give me a moment to think about that. But first I want to tell you why I think it's, it is actually highly effective that you are a white male in certain situations. I think a lot of women leaders, transgender leaders, like I, I think that we are frustrated by all the typical things that you hear. Hey, I just said that three minutes ago and no one listened to it. And then someone else says it and, you know, it's repeated and sounds great. Or, um, I don't feel as if I have the, I feel like what I'm saying is like fully grounded and well-researched and is somehow, is somehow not getting heard. And so I have to say that the power for me was that the Andela leadership team and my partner, like we gave you permission. We gave you the power to be a broker, to you know, kind of really hear each other's perspectives. And um, it's sad for me that that's, that that is, that's the world we live in. But, you know, there are like benevolent and, you know, other actors. And so to find a philosopher king or find <laughs> however you think of yourself, Jeff, but find someone who like truly wants the company to do well and to succeed in its mission and its purest mission, I felt like I got an honest court, for lack of a better um, analogy, like to be heard for both sides to be heard. And, um, and I do think that requires a certain kind of gravitas. Um, and whether that was like board members or our senior team or, um, you know, it's kind of the, the toughest personalities where I feel like you recognized my strengths, you recognize my challenges. One of my strengths is absolutely vulnerability that did not, that did not give me strength and courage in male dominated situations. And so to really have like a, um, a true, like an arbitrator that was in the middle that would present both sides and give equal air was like immensely comforting. Even if I didn't get the outcome that I wanted, I felt understood and heard and could, and could really rationalize. I could grapple with the logic of the moment. Hey, it's not just a no because you're not being heard. It's a no because of, you know, you can understand where all the parts are. It's clarity, right? It's from confusion to clarity. Yeah. 
Um, so that's the opposite of what you asked. But I do think um, if there's other leaders out there who feel the same way, I think that's like a superpower. It's a superpower to feel like over and over again, I don't feel heard and understood. And all of a sudden I can create an environment where I can break out of a pattern. I can break out of an unhelpful pattern and have like a, a person in the middle to help us both hear each other was like just immensely helpful. Okay. So the question that you asked, um, so I, I think it's hard to add in all of these extras. As I said, you would definitely be aware when I would come to you with a problem that I was triggered, that I was not thinking clearly, et cetera. Um, I think it's impossible, as you said, to step into anyone's shoes and think of all the complex reasons, reasons why that might be, even if it's, you know, perceived gender or, um, not an equal playing field or others. And so, there's part of just like being a, a white male coach that, that isn't, you know, that you're not going to be able to change. Um, but I think, you know, the, the places where I have given you feedback is where, um, is where maybe you're in situations where like, for whatever reason, it's mostly males around the table and that you can control that you can, um, you can find situations where it's, it's easier to, um, to make all voices be heard and ensure that, um, even in your desire to like seek out the best opinion in any given or the, the, the purest version of something that you're really aware of what might be going on in, um, in people's heads and hearts, uh, that's preventing them from being their, their best selves in that situation. And then think about not just as a coach, but as a CEO of, of talentism too, like what does a real level playing field look like, like through putting that into practice? Um, I think it will help in the situations that you're hearing from any of your coaches. Yeah. I, uh, thank you. Does that so, make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And thank you so much for that. I want, I want to share a specific example where you were especially <laughs> uh, powerful <laughs> with me and I just so much appreciate it, but I would just want to take the audience through that experience. So we have this thing called the executive clarity forum. It's where we bring CEOs together, uh, CEOs, founders, uh, together to, first of all, learn about clarity, clarity methodology, principles, et cetera, and then start to really form a community with each other to gain support um, and strength from each other and help from each other as you navigate very difficult situations. Uh, and so we did the first cohort. You were you were in the first cohort, our inaugural uh, kickoff. And uh, I was taking a lot of the, uh, the airtime, the talentism airtime, and I was doing this, I was co-creating this and leading this with um, Sharon Billings, who's our head of coaching, uh, sorry, head of training. And uh, after one of the sessions, you came back to me and you said, yeah, you talk way too much. Uh, like <laughs> like you, you have this incredibly powerful, uh, amazing woman in the room and you're sucking up all the oxygen with your ego. You were kinder than that, but, but that was, the, that was the, the gist of it. And uh, so my experience when I heard that is, of course, defensiveness, because I'm just like everyone else. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. And then, of course, I've tried to habituate this 
process of, oh, I'm triggered. Okay, that's interesting. Why am I triggered? What, why do I feel at risk or under threat? And then, of course, I realize uh, I, I have a stat, what we call a status trigger. I want to be seen as good. I felt like you were telling me I wasn't good. So I, that's where the nature of the defensiveness, I was able to then go through it and say, that's not what Christina is saying. She's, she's actually giving me something so precious, real feedback. You know, when you're a CEO, people just don't do it, right? They just, I, I just yep. wish people would tell me how crappy I am more often. But anyway, I, I, just to be clear to everybody, I get a lot of that, but it's, uh, I need more of it. Um, and then, and it just, it, I couldn't stop thinking about it, about that failure of mine. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, stayed up most of that night. Next morning, I went to Sharon. I talked to her. I apologized. And I said, listen, from now on, like, I shouldn't be talking. You should be talking. They need to hear from you. They can hear from me all the time. Like, I'm a total blowhard. You need to get up there. And <laughs> since, and since that point, I, I hope, and you know, hope you've experienced this is she's very much taken the lead and shined in that, um, and just done an amazing job. And so I just wanted to bring everybody through that full journey, because I think that's in a lot of ways, what we aspire to with clarity coaching. It's not just about, you know, I'm a coach and, and you're a client or whatever. It's that people come to each other and share uh, something about, I know you aspire to greatness or to excellence. You're falling short in this way. I want to help you by showing you the specific problem. And that even if that's difficult to hear, even if that uh, it just feels terrible to feel like you're failing, that's such an incredible gift, especially from somebody who, who you love and cherish because it's helping you actually get better. And through that, I believe talentism is a, a better organization. Um, you know, something I, I think that executives all the time, it's crazy, and we can go into why this is, but they separate the world into the soft stuff and the hard stuff, right? Like the hard stuff is uh, how are you going to build market cap and enterprise value, all of which is super cool, but all of which are lagging indicators of excellence, not leading indicators of excellence. And the leading indicators of excellence are how you are showing up as a leader and as a contributor every day. And that's what builds the infrastructure of excellence within your organization. And that starts with the kinds of interactions you and I had in that case. So I was just so deeply grateful for that, and I'm glad you shared it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I'm very excited about continuing to have this relationship because I am going to make a lot more mistakes, and uh, and you can really help me with that. So thank you. Well, you're most welcome, and that's 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 kind of what I mean by the red pill analogy, and I um, I think I feel safe to, to say anything like that to you because you've said it, you've done it for me so many times that, um, that process of getting real feedback, feeling super defensive and hurt, and then being able to like, take a deep breath, take a lap and be like, I really trust that this person wants me to succeed. Like they have no reason to be telling me this. They don't want me to stay up all night and agonize. They want me to be the best at what I'm doing. Um, and so seeing that purity of intentions and then seeing, then you open up just enough of a crack to see 
um, what your blind spot is or what your failure is. And I just, I've experienced this more times than I can count in our, in our sessions. But I remember coming to you one distinct time and saying, you know, like this person that I'm working with, he's done this thing. He's done it, you know, four times now. I know he's done it to other people. And it's just like, it's malicious. Like there's no other explanation for it. <laughs> and, and you, um, you know, calmly talking me through how like that, you know, the certainty with which I decided it was malicious, um, was, you know, a failure all in itself and, um, and what could be the other explanations for it. Um, and, and basically walking me through not making it so personal and, seeing just a glimpse enough to be like, that's that person's blind spot. And for sure, it's not helpful that they're telling you or other people, you know, that they're in a pattern of giving people unhelpful feedback. But what you've noticed is not that that's a bad person, but that person has a blind spot. And now you have a choice to make. You can help them see that blind spot and help them through that blind spot, or you can decide that they're bad. <laughs> um, but you had, you know, I definitely had to go through all of the like, um, he doesn't believe me and that's not the point of coaching and why am I doing this and da, 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 da. And, and then enough of a like, I really think, I really believe that Jeff wants me to succeed and that is the point of this feedback. And so how do I just sit with it for long enough to like open up some space in my head to be like, okay, what would it be like to get on that person's side when you notice that they're in there as personal as it is, but when you notice that they're operating from a blind spot, it actually opens you up to all this other information and all these other choices and how to act. Um, and so I found it like at the end of the day, super empowering. That doesn't mean it's not painful every time, but it really does when you feel, when you immediately, or when you have a pattern of feeling trapped and helpless and like you can't get out of it all of a sudden, you have a painful period, but then you have a period of like feeling multiple options and feeling supported in testing out different roads. Um, and that was so, so, so useful. And so I'm delighted and thrilled to be able to give the same back. Well, as I've said many times, I, I think you're an excellent coach. Uh, so, and I think this is an example that proves it, but you, you just said something that I, I want to sort of highlight. I think it's sort of indicative of how we think about things, but it, it is interesting if you think just about helping others. So we, we start with this premise that human beings are wired for confusion, that they've evolved that way, that confusion isn't a bad thing. It's just a thing the brain does when it's trying to navigate reality. And for millions of years, it was a feature and now it's a bug. Um, yeah. But it's but it's something you got to deal with, right? Because w we all have it inside of us to believe things that aren't true, to bias information, et cetera. And one of the things that's been fascinating is we started with that and then built out coaching and did all the other things we do is to come to a very simple realization that if you if you're coaching someone and you believe they're confused, that you are completely and totally committed to helping them and you can you can't believe much of what's coming out of their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. and it's a weird phenomena, right? Like you're sitting there saying I am going to do I'm going to do or give whatever it takes to try to help you get uh, to unleash your potential to see reality clearly, see yourself clearly, see the connection between yourself and reality clearly. Um, but you're about to tell me a bunch of baloney. And, uh, not because you're bad, 
not because you're not smart, not, not it's just because your brain's messing with you. Um, and one of the things I loved about our work together is when I would say that to you, because you, because one of the things about you is you're very, you can really come across as fierce. You'll be like, this is happening. Uh, like, just so you know, I'm not asking, I'm telling this is happening. And, uh, and I'd be like, okay, yep. Got it. I understand that you, you're very confident in this moment that that's true. Uh, but you didn't ask me to help you to validate your certainty. You asked me to help you turn confusion into clarity. So let's work through that. And in my experience has been is some people, nobody loves that process, right? <laughs> the human right. mind is like, no, hold on. I feel really good about my certainty right now. And you're taking me back to confusion and that's painful. So could we just stop this and stick with the I'm right narrative? Um, but but there are some people who go back into that journey of confusion to get to clarity and, and process it well. No matter how no matter how confidently they come to their initial conclusion, they work through that pain. They process it well, and then some people are just like, "Nah, I'm out." <laughs> I'd, I'd much I'm rather out. talk to somebody who told me I was great. So, um, how did you? How do you think you came to the point of like, okay, this is painful. I don't always enjoy this. But um, this is the kind of thing I was looking for. As you described, it wasn't where you started with our, with our coaching, but it is over time how that developed. Um, and I saw the biggest of all the people I work with, like going most from certainty to clarity with the greatest sort of commitment to the truth about yourself. Um, I saw you deal with that with more courage and more uh, consistency than, frankly, most people I, I have the good fortune to work with. What do you think it was that, that kept you driving through that, that kept you determined and compulsive through that process? Well, I think at first it just yielded better results than anything else that I'd tried. Like I, um, I think some of the most painful things to hear was, you know, Hey, you know, Christina, you're, you're ultimately fighting for this cause for the software developers in your company. And you're not able to get there because you're in these, you know, um, tough situations with your colleagues. Like, what do you, what do you want? Like stare down that, you know, ultimate objective. Like, what do you want? If it really is um, to um, unlock the potential for these software developers in this specific way, then like, you got to get better at these conversations. So it was, it was to me that work, it was like, you are getting in your own way. Can you see that you're getting in your own way? And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't feeling effective in those conversations. Um, and I'd certainly tried, you know, two or three different ways, but it was centering on the purpose, centering on, um, on the main goal. And so I think it's, yes, coaching is hard, but if you're coming to coaching with real shit, it's already hard. You know, like you're already not loving, um, the situation. And so you can do it feeling like you're developing new tools with which to do it. Um, you know, or you can, or you can, you know, give up and, or decide that those are the only tools you want to use. So for me, it was just seeing, um, my, experimenting with different difficult conversations and seeing them go differently and seeing a couple of things go my way or seeing a couple things not go my way, but it'd be less painful. And I was like, okay, I'm going to lose this battle to win the larger war. And I can start to put those, put those pieces together. I started to feel 
less panicky when I was triggered. And I had a series of mental exercises that I would go through when I was triggered that made me feel like I handled the situation better. And that's one thing you really worked with me on, Jeff, is that fierceness um, is like, it's one tool, but it's like, it was very off-putting to many of my peers. It was like not not off-putting to my team when deployed in the right way, but off-putting to my peers. And, and so to like rein that in, you know, to really learn when to use it um, and not, and learn that just like digging in and fighting with that ferocity often didn't, didn't really get the, get the end goal. And so it was that, I think that's part of why talentism is so effective to me. It's about unlocking human potential and people that are really deeply dedicated to that will listen. So part of being a startup founder is like this brutal process of being good at a couple of things. Um, and then having your situation change every what, six to nine months, I'd say is a, you know, was kind of what I experienced. And so just when you would start to get the ropes and feel good about something, your whole world would be turned upside down and like that scale, that's what it is. And so I, the, the founders and, and leaders that I love to work with in that, in that startup phase are like, have to be really open to what they're good at and what they're not good at and how to love something and be so attached to it and then let it go and why they have to let it go. And so that, that's just a common pattern. So, um, so recognizing that that's the, that's the, that's the work pattern you're going through and that your parallel personal process is about being confused over and over again and getting out of that confusion and doing it in a way that's healthier for you. Like there's a world of discomfort in there and learning for that to not be totally miserable that you have support and you've got, you've got tools to live in that discomfort and to get, and to actually get better at it is very, very freeing and comforting to me. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. So we're coming to the end of our time, but I have one big question for you. I've been dying to ask you this question. Um, so you have been for a long time at the front lines of social justice, economic justice, and change. You've also been a startup founder. And I maintain in the, you know, the relationships I have with CEOs, founders, et cetera, one of the things I talk to them about is how the nature and role of the organization, the corporation, the enterprise is changing in the midst of social change that there, if you were a white dude 40 years ago who was a CEO, you had a pretty limited set of rules and you were in the power position and you just had to do certain things relatively okay and it probably mm -hmm. would work out okay for you. Now the power of the consumer, the power, the voice of the um, previously disenfranchised, the people who I think are, are starting to finally come into their own and, and wield economic influence um, in the center of the, the founder and the CEO and the executives in the center of that and trying to make sense of that, navigate it. What would you tell those founders, those CEOs um, about what they should be looking out for, what they should be thinking about and that's A, and B, then how, as coaches, can we help those people achieve that? Because I do believe they will be at the center of a lot of change. The government institutions, et cetera, are really struggling 
to take on their proper role and that corporations are increasingly stepping in and trying to make positive change because it's good business and also it's the right thing to do. You have a unique perspective in the midst of that. Tell me a little bit about first, what you think is going to happen, what's required. And then secondly, like what, what does coach coaching need to bring to that? Yeah, it is a great question. And it is a moment for all leaders to be thinking about that. You know, Jeff, I think at the heart of it, every leader has got to drill down to the purpose and meaning of their work and really face the things that come up about how that work may or may not be contributing to, um, you know, to a very problematic system. And if it is, if indeed it is, that they are taking concrete steps to change it for the right reason. I don't think leaders today can get around that and they have to, and there's, there's sort of no way but through. And so there are, I think there are, are social businesses out there or businesses that are, are somewhat neutral, but they're still existing in these, what they're going to hear from their team members or from their clients um, may seem like it's at the periphery at the edges, but it is contributing to, you know, a racist system or a system that, that continues to keep power where it is. And so I think it's going to be very hard to say, but that's not what we do, or that's not, you know, and to, to be able to be open to hear that. I think what's they could do that's most important for their leadership path forward is be really authentic about their journey be really genuine about it, um, and then have have really excellent feedback and safe space um, because it's it's not a moment to share all of one's feelings. Like you need to to really you know think through it in a in a safe space and get your get your thinking right, no matter what it is. But then um, to share authentically what it is that your company is doing, what it seeks to do, if it has you know been part of a problematic system why, how you see that clearly and, um, and sort of what changes, what changes that you're make, you know, going to make to, to be able to do that in a, um, in a clear and thoughtful way. If it's the case that there really isn't, you know, that, that companies, um, aren't, uh, that are really, you know, really doing great work, then I think it's getting every single person in that company clear and aligned as to, um, the, you know, not the day in day out KPIs, but that much larger picture Um, and getting every employee to feel like they can directly, really directly connect to it. Um, I don't think that comes often from, it could come from an inspiring line manager, but I think it often comes, it comes from the CEO. And so gone are the days where um, you know, a lot of our colleagues in Africa experienced like leadership was on the 16th floor and you never saw them. And it was very hard to push back. And now we're on systems where like everyone's on a Slack channel. Anybody can Slack anybody. Um, and that is jarring. And it also, it also opens up this like, you know, amazing kind of amazing feedback loop. And so how to deal with kind of a barrage of everyone's opinions. Um, I don't believe that it's the CEO's job to um, weigh those opinions evenly, uh, but to be open with them and and come back to a very sincere, authentic message about why they do what they do, and if they're part of causing problems, how they intend to um, to move forward with that. I think that would be my advice, and 
and I'll continue to think on it. It's a great question. Yeah, thank you. I one of the things that really strikes me, and and uh, after I just said we're near the end of our time, but I just want to bring this up: the entire system of how we think about business really lends itself to reinforcing privilege and human blindness. And one of the ways that I think about that is the the numbers, the KPIs, the metrics that most business people are obsessed with are all lagging indicators, which to me is pretty fascinating. They're obsessed with things that measure what has already happened. Yeah. And, yes. and so you're oh, and so when that when that number you expect your growth to be, you know, hundred percent and it's eighty percent you freak because you think, oh my gosh, we're going down, but you don't really step back and say, you know, the reason we only achieved 80%, not hundred percent was because of something we did six months ago. Uh, and how could I have known six months ago that we were going to be on this path rather than waiting for six months to figure it out and then having a, a reaction to it. And the reason I say this is I work with so many incredible people who are who really genuinely want to bring about change. They want to be a part of that change. They want to follow the advice, but they're measuring themselves against the lagging indicators and then having to respond to things that have already taken place. And it puts them in a perpetual loop where they can't get better because they're always running to catch up to something that they set before they were fully Mm -hmm. aware of what the new world was like. Um, So... Anyway, just something that sort no, of struck me. Yeah. You've, you know, you and the talentism team have mentioned many times, like even at the beginning of at the beginning of the COVID crisis, like somebody in your organization right now is super forward thinking and has a path to, you know, how, what the silver lining here is and how the company can thrive through this. And like, if you don't have it, surround yourself, you know, surround yourself with those, with those people. I think that also takes self-awareness, but, you know, I think, one of the things that drew me to talentism and that I completely share is that every CEO, every leader in a company is in a position to, is in a awesome position and has the honor of thinking about unlocking the potential of all of those people within their company. Yes, you need to delight your client and you need to do all these other things, but you have this amazing group of people that you're trying to get to fall into a complex, you know, line that achieves certain goals and thinking about them and yourself, like your most complicated employee. Okay. Well, you're twice as complicated as that because <laughs> you have all the shit that you grew up with. And so just thinking, you know, being able to move away from, okay, the KPIs that I've always looked at and being like, if I can make life, you know, if I can, unlock the potential of this one group that's going through a super complicated time. If I can listen and hear, um, and, you know, get these people to feel free enough to that with all the insanity going on in the world, just to, to unlock their brains enough to be like, it's going to feel good if we're all moving towards the same thing and you feel safe about it. I think that's a real achievement in the midst of, of the moment that we're going through. And, you know, I can't imagine, uh, um, a better thing to spend your day doing than trying to unlock the human potential of the people that um, are hustling for you, are hustling for you day in, day out. And no, that is not deeply analyzing the KPIs. And I'm not saying that we can forget that. Um, but improving on KPIs is an exercise in how people learn. 
and they got to have part of their brain free to be able to learn. And our brains are grappling with a lot of noise right now. Um, so for a CEO to work backwards and, and help to make people feel safe and make people feel productive during this time, I think is a massive. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's, let's end on that note of brilliance. Thank you, Christina. You are the very best. I, I can't <laughs> tell you how uh, grateful I am that you were willing to take some time on a Saturday and speak with me. Um, thank you. It's my so pleasure. Very much. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for all the years of, of, uh, brutal honesty (laughs) (laughs) well of course you can always count on me for brutal honesty (laughs) well thank you very much and thank you to everybody who's listening and uh christina i'm hoping that uh, we can catch up again at some point in the future absolutely great all right thank you very much coaching in the clear has been a production of talentism it was recorded mixed and edited by 46 ave studios original music by john hunter If you found this podcast valuable, please share on social media and make sure to leave a review. To support this podcast, please sign up at talentism.com. There you will find important content and up-to-date insights about how to unleash your potential. Thank you so much for listening.